Welcome to Deep Look, Ulti World's weekly radio show about the current state of Ultimate. I'm the host and the editor of Ulti World, Charlie Eisenhood. Joining me, Ulti World senior editor Keith Rayner. How's it going over in Iran? It's uh probably pretty good over there. I, I wouldn't know. Uh, unfortunately, the like hour before I was gonna leave to get on my train to go to Philadelphia to to meet uh, Melissa and go to the airport. Uh, I got a message from Melissa saying, do not get on your train because they're postponing the trip and our visas. What? It was pretty shocking. Like, Julia was saying something to me and I, maybe for the first time in our whole relationship, like, shushed her so that I could read this because it was, like, blowing my mind. Uh, but, uh, yeah, for, for our understanding is the Iranian government said that the date was too close to the anniversary of the revolution that took place. Uh, so the, I don't know what? how that didn't come up earlier, but you know, here we are. Uh, so the trip's been postponed and I don't, I don't know that it's likely that I'm going to be, uh, able to go on it in the future, but, uh, hopefully it still happens cause it was going to be a cool thing. And, uh, Give me your honest opinion. Do you think that this ever is going to take place? Yeah. Oh, it's real coin flippy. It's like real 50-50. I think... They were real weird about the whole thing on the lead up to a this, A little right? bit, but it, that seems more like it was disorganized. Like, I think it's more likely that it wouldn't happen because of disorganization than because they're not interested. There was, like, a lot of interest in even pushing it back to next week. Uh, so, I think I think I would I would say it's going to happen. But, uh, man, well, I'm sorry yeah. that it didn't work out. And I hope that if they do manage to get it rescheduled, that you can still find uh, a window of opportunity to go. Yeah, uh, not uh, the college season beckons, you know, it's a busy, busy time. And uh, March, April and May are uh, often crowded times on the calendar, as you very well know. Indeed. Well, uh I guess the upside is that you will be here on the show with me. So yeah, <laughs> and I and I have I have good news, Charlie. Great, I, I'm I'm here with you. Recently named Person of the Year by our Ultimate. Did did what the Person of the Year was there? Was there like some sort of vote? They did an their first annual our uh, Ultimate Awards, and. You won Person of the Year, just barely edging out Dom Fontenet. Wow! I never thought you would beat Dom Fontenet in anything. 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 Wow, that's. Um, uh, I I I guess that thank you to the voters of our ultimate. Yeah, I don't know you, what I did to deserve won. that, but you're you're a good guy. Which 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 are you more proud of, this or or your uh, engagement? Probably the engagement. <laughs> Do you have your power athlete shirt on? Uh, not right now. Okay. But Sorry, Sid the Fields. Oh, interesting. All right. Well, very cool. Uh, shout out to Reddit community. Uh, Sid the Fields won podcast of the year. Oh, nice. So. Well, then you know what? No shout out to Reddit. <laughs> Die in a fire, Reddit. <laughs> uh, good show today. We got, we got some big college tournaments coming up this weekend, so we will discuss... Uh, warm up down in Florida. I'll be there. Queen City taking place the same weekend this year. That's in Charlotte. And, uh, you know, a very competitive East Coast tournament, particularly in the women's division. Uh, warm up is packed this year. 33 teams. 
So we will get into that and, and make our picks as well. Uh, but first, I've got a little bit of news. Uh, the AUDL just announced that they will be uh, having their all-star game. And it is going to be on June 8th, Saturday night, June 8th. It's actually the same night as the uh, high school national invite final. So a little potentially going to have to choose between your streams that that evening. Uh, but the AUDL is going to host it in Madison, Wisconsin. They're going to have 32 t- players that are going to be selected by coaches and media and then divided into two teams via a draft that's going to happen live on Twitter the week before the event. Um, so the uh, selection process will begin in early May. Coaches will pick one player from each of the 21 teams and then league media will select seven additional players to round out the rosters. And then four local players will be added to create a tie between the game and the local Madison ultimate community. Boy, it sure seems good for Madison, huh? Madison gets all the goodies. I, they've they've kind of earned it, right, by building something really special and unique in the in the league. The captains for each All Star squad will be determined through a multi round selection process. Uh, the league will nominate a group of potential captains, and two will be chosen via a Twitter poll. So, lots of social media. Uh, you know, uh, pretty cool. I, I think this is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, it's it's rare. I mean, it's basically never happens that you get these kind of like All Star settings. I think the closest thing we get to that is like when the World Games team plays at some tournament in the lead up to the World Games, like Potlatch. So there's like Team Canada versus Team USA at Potlatch. And that's pretty cool. But I think like the ability to watch this game live and see the whole thing unfold and be able to, you know, root for your favorite player, it's a pretty cool concept. Agreed. I I think the All Star Games have been proven successful as as a tool for marketing the brand and and getting people excited. Uh, I also think that the ATL did a good job insulating them from some of the problems that have plagued other All Star Games. Uh, particularly since we're talking about player selection, they didn't open it up to a fan vote that could potentially land some sort of meme person in the field, which is exactly the kind of thing Ultimate players would do. <laughs> Suddenly, like. Pat has been nominated or something, but uh, I do. I will say the one place that could be exposed because this language is not clear. A final group of four local players, like, could we be talking like summer league players? They, do they do they have to be on the radicals? It just says local. I th- it seems like they won't be AUDL players. I mean, maybe, so no, they- maybe, maybe they will. No, no. I feel I feel like it's going to be radicals players. I think it probably is, but they did not specify. They did it. So I just want to know. It could just be random people. In fact, they should reserve one spot for some random person in the Madison Ultimate Frisbee community. And like, they have some sort of popularity contest to get that person in. That would be fun. And then like, put them out there on the field and make them go up against Kurt Gibson. Is that better than trying to have like, uh, like a non-Ultimate person come in? Like... Joe Schmo or that seems local, like it wouldn't be good at all. What about local celebrity, local athlete, or something like that? That could you be might fun. be able to convince them to come out. If and they then, can like get some yeah. like Green Bay Packer to come play. Well, you brought up you brought up Potlatch and the you know and and Poultry Days and at Poultry Days in the All Star Game, it is tradition 
for the winner of the like town fair pageant to which is uh, usually a teen a young teen girl to play in the all-star game and like everybody tries to get a goal for her wow like that is like a primary objective and she's like got her sash on and her tiara i love that uh big so yeah that can be replicated i love it i guess we wait and see on the all-star game i feel like the ultimate frisbee all-star game has the most likelihood of being like a really fun competitive game I think baseball generally is pretty good because it's a sport where, you know, you can't like pitchers are trying to get you out. Hitters are trying to get hits. And like, it doesn't really, you can't really phone it in. Um, But like, you know, NFL Pro Bowl, terrible. NBA All-Star Game is kind of fun, but definitely not real, you know, actual game. They're scoring like 200 points. And there's nobody playing any defense. I think that we might see some actual defense played and like at a minimum get some fun, you know, 50-50 jump balls. I think it could work. And like people are actually going to try and not worry too much about like getting injured. Oh, I, I, I think I expect a pretty close uh, comparative here with the NBA game. And my fear is that it'll feel like uh, a college team scrimmage where people are just throwing 50 50s because uh i i think that that's like what a lot of people will think of as like fun and and sure that like you'll have rowan and nethercut like throw some trick throws and whatnot maybe matt bennett or whatnot but uh i hope that they find a way to like i wouldn't mind if they played with some weird stuff like if they did like double disc or hot spots or you know and i wouldn't mind messing with it obviously you're probably not going to do that in year one you want to kind of see how things play out but uh i i I think we could be in for a like defense light nobody wants to get hurt nobody wants to hurt each other and just kind of the weird like oh i don't want to be the try hard kind of guy thing going on so let's get out in front of that right now play for real if you make the all-star game what a what a rare opportunity definitely if you're the local summer league player (laughs) play as hard as possible like (laughs) That guy will go really hard. Speaking of Rowan, just had Rowan on for Sideline Talk, our subscriber-only podcast. Going to give you a little clip right now from that. So take a listen in and uh, hope if you aren't a subscriber, you consider coming over, checking out Sideline Talk and all of the other benefits that you can get from being a subscriber. Here's Rowan McDonald with me on Sideline Talk this week. I have heard that maybe for that first double tryout, I don't know which specific tryout, but I've heard that you one time slept in your car overnight at the fields to then play yeah, the next tryout uh, on the next day? Sure. It wasn't actually at the field. I, I think it was like a Shaw's supermarket. Um, but basically what happened was, you know, it, it is a two-hour drive one way, and right. the double was set up, so it's a Saturday afternoon, Sunday morning practice. I didn't know anybody on the team. Didn't really know anybody. I'm not like very social i don't really have that like hey i'm a new player i need a place to sleep so i was like i'll take care of it myself i slept in a shaw's parking lot and yeah showed up at sunday and i think that sunday people kind of asked me like where did you stay last night like i didn't tell anybody like i was gonna do it um and then i like told them and then i think ever since then miles montgomery butler emily nature 
Alex Simmons and Alex Cooper, who are living together, were like, okay, you're staying with us whenever <laughs> you need to. So, yeah, I definitely I definitely did that. And I, I think I played pretty well on Sunday, honestly, looking back. Welcome back to Deep Look. So we got some big-time college tournaments coming up this weekend. Let's start by taking a look at Queen City. We've also got our picks lined up. We'll get to those in a moment. Keith, Queen City, pretty much the big opener for the women's division on the East Coast and uh, sometimes you know a few Midwest teams. Take us through kind of the, the big picture stories here that, we're, that you're going to be looking for this weekend down in Charlotte. Also, I think you can always, or at least in recent years, kind of look at Queen City and there's two sort of groups. You have your big nationals teams, teams that are starting their year and uh, really are hoping to advance deeper into the bracket, get quality experience against one another, kind of start their seasons off on, on the right foot or in Ohio State's case, continue it. Uh, and then you have the other teams that are hoping to score bid points to earn earn wins for their region for their for themselves. So you 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 often get some crossover there, some upsets and things like that, which is part of what makes it exciting. But I think you kind of have, have groups with different goals going into it. So it, when you're looking at that top tier, your top four seeds are in order: Pittsburgh, North Carolina, Carlton, and Ohio State. Uh, which is a pretty impressive group. I mean, you've got three top five teams and a team in Pittsburgh uh, that is the number one overall seed and, and can be expected to be a strong squad. So I think that it'll be really interesting to see if those four teams can hold on to their spots at the top and advance into the semifinals. And then we get into some really potentially high quality games between teams that have to feel like they have a shot at being semifinalists at nationals. Yeah, I mean, I think... You know, Pitt is a one seed. I'm, I'm guessing they're kind of going off of last year a little bit in terms of finish at nationals because Pitt shouldn't really be the one seed here. I mean, they lose Carolyn Normile, and, and there's just there's no way around it. Like, regardless of how talented and deep their bench is, which I think they're still going to be a good team, it's like an entirely new ball game for them having to learn to play without Normile. Um, but elsewhere, you know, I think there's just some really exciting question marks you know how good is Ohio State we saw them put up a game on Dartmouth and we talked to Sadie Jazerski here on the pod a couple of weeks ago uh Carlton and North Carolina both very young but very talented I mean those are the teams that we're going to be seeing at the top of the division in like two years they are going to be number one and number two in some order unless Dartmouth has something to say about it but those are the teams that are like coming up and are, are they ready to play at that level yet? Are they ready to, you know, be able to match up with a team like Ohio State that's got a lot of seniors and fifth years? Um, and then even down a little bit further, like Tufts and Michigan, uh, it starts to thin out after the top six there. But I'm pretty eager to see, you know, what these teams look like. I, I think there's, uh, in some ways because there's less continuity for some of these teams or there's, you know, very young programs, you don't know exactly what you're going to see. And Queen City gives us that first great look. Agreed. And, and you know, you go down the line and you look at teams like NC State, uh, BYU, Georgia, Clemson's already played two tournaments, uh, Florida. There are quality teams that are going to test these teams in pool play. But I think a lot of those teams are really going to be focused on – winning a lot of their other games and and 
like I said, I, I think that the bid picture already, you know, will start to take shape a little bit after this tournament. I, there will be the Southeast has a lot on the line if they want to try and win a, a, a second bid. The AC has a lot on the line here. They need NC State. They need Clemson to play well. Uh, Wilmington has a shot at it. Uh, so I think that these teams are in a position where if they want to try and earn an additional bid so they don't have to go through UNC, it's going to start at Queen City Tune-Up. I mean, NC State got a win over Tufts last year, and that kind of was the springboard for their run to Nationals last year at this tournament. Uh, BYU also in the field. They were just at Santa Barbara Invite, played against Crucial. UC Santa Barbara, uh, Washington. So they're about to be the connective part of the middle That's exactly what of I the rankings. And you know they could shift some points one way or the other. Wisconsin also traveled. So they're not at this tournament, which they usually play at. I imagine that they're not here because they traveled to Santa Barbara Invite. Yeah. I mean, BYU got smacked around a little bit by the good teams out west. Oh, yeah. They lost 13-5 to UCSB, 13-5 to Washington, and 13-4 to Cal. So if they come out and play well this weekend, I mean, that could spell disaster for the East because all of these teams in AC and Southeast and uh, I don't maybe you know Great Lakes are in danger of watching all of those bid points flow out West. Uh, but if BYU doesn't play very well and they lose a lot of games, then perhaps that means that some of those points float to the east um and you know we, it's rare honestly that we get such an early connector like this that's gonna kind of define the rest of the season uh to have a team like playing on both coasts so good for byu making the, all the travel i have a quick story for you by the way this was really fascinating and i meant to bring it up on a show a couple weeks ago and i didn't i was filming the byu um cal poly slow friday night showcase game in the men's division at Santa Barbara. And uh, the game wasn't by our showcase field, so it didn't have the scaffolding, but I was just, so I was standing on the ground filming from the back of the end zone. And uh, a woman came up to me and was just asking me about what I was doing, who I was filming for, and we got to talking. And she, uh, she lives in Santa Barbara. She's a member of the Church of Latter-day Saints, the Mormon Church. And despite having no connection at all to Ultimate Frisbee, she was hosting the entire BYU team at her house, putting them all up. And having talked to her for a little bit about it, I, I guess this is very common. You, you know, when, when college teams travel, for instance, they get in touch with people who are part of the church in the place that they're going. And it's very common for people with no connection to you at all to open their doors and say, come stay. So BYU, I think frequently doesn't have to, you know, pony up for hotels because they stay with members of the church, which I just thought was fascinating. And I had, I'd never heard of something like that. So this explains why we can't make it work that they, cause they have this big competitive advantage. So I understand now why we can't figure out how to get them into bracket play. And internationals because it'd be unfair. Like they get to stay everywhere for free. <laughs> I'm just saying they get, they get to spend their money on on cryotherapy and other competitive advantages. Yeah, it's not fair. It's not fair. And next time next time somebody comes up to you and it's like, hey, who are you? You're like, I am our ultimate person of the year. Actually, Charlie Eisenhood. So. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Um, all right. So 
let's uh, go ahead and make our picks here for the women's division at Queen City. Um, our our listener pick this week is from Bama Sex. How about the that? Bama Sex? The Bama Sex. And uh, so they've got their picks in. I will go ahead and go first. Um, here's what I got. So, you know, first of all, the format here, a little funny. Instead of having the 1-4 matchup in the semifinal, so like that would be Pool A winner, Pool D winner, assuming they won their quarterfinals, they have 1 versus 3 and 2 versus 4. So then you're going to have, you know, assuming there's no upsets, Pitt versus Carlton and UNC versus Ohio State in the semis. So, you know, interesting matchups there. I think... I've got Carlton comfortably winning over Pitt. I just think Pitt's still going to be in learning mode and Carlton's ready to start to take a step forward. Uh, I have Ohio State upsetting UNC. So calling both upsets. I just think, again, UNC a a little young. Ohio State looked really promising at uh, Florida Winter Classic. So I've got Carlton versus Ohio State in the final. And I've got OSU taking the title over a young Carlton team. I think this is going to be, you know, Ohio State's already got a tournament under their belt. They're more experienced. It's it's just not quite time for the UNC and Carltons of the world to take down a senior heavy team like OSU. Yeah, I don't really understand the tournament format, I guess. Like, why shouldn't, if you're the number one overall seed, like, shouldn't you have the, the biggest advantage? I guess they get to play the lowest seeded team in pool play. But, like, their quarterfinal is against, if everything went to seed, Pittsburgh would get the five seed in in quarterfinals, which I don't, I you know, I don't really get it. But um, at, at this point, seeding is fairly meaningless, like not entirely so. But you know, you have Georgia as the 14th seed, Virginia at the 13th seed, even though uh, you know they could easily be seeded higher. Uh, I think they just beat Michigan at went to Binta Fest and Michigan's the sixth seed. So I, I'm pretty sure that you're right. The seeding's based on nationals finish last year. Uh, but my picks, um, I, your logic is extremely sound and is mostly exactly where I went. I think that the veteran experience on Ohio state and a team that really wants to continue to prove how good they can be is going to be a big advantage for them. Uh, I, see them being able to leverage that against a a fairly experienced UNC team, but a UNC team that I think is going to be still adjusting to the new roles that they're going to have, having to fill in for Jenny way, having to bring in some really talented rookies. I think they're going to be still in adjustment mode. uh, Should that those two teams get the chance to meet, which what I expect Carlton, I see making it making the final. They have a, a lot of experience, so I think they're going to have a lot less adjustment, even with a couple of new rookies. It's funny how similar Carlton and UNC are in a lot of ways, uh, but I'm going to take Ohio State and the experience and them already having a tournament under their belt. Uh, I think all that stuff that you mentioned is is enough to sway me that two teams that are probably fairly close in talent level that Ohio State would have the advantage. All right, so then we finally come to the listener picks from Bamasex. Bamasex has UNC taking it over Ohio State. So also uh, picking against the one seed Pittsburgh and going with UNC um, over the perhaps more experienced overall roster of Ohio State. 
So uh, that's, I mean, that would be a great game if we get it. So on we go to Queen City men's side. And, uh, you know, compelling tournament here as well. Maybe not quite as deep as usual. For one, Georgia, a team that typically attends Queen City, is going to be at warm-up this year instead. And so, uh, you know, of course, you've got the number one overall seed and number one team in the country, North Carolina. Leading the way, they'll be the heavy favorite again. Uh, Your next three seeds are Massachusetts, NC State, and UNC Wilmington. And uh, then after that, you know, you start to you get out of the top 25 pretty quickly. Auburn is a top 25 team, but coming off of a T-Town throwdown loss to LSU, surprise loss there. And then you've got CMU, Maryland, and Ohio State. All teams, by the way, that I think are compelling could, you know, our, our top 25 quality teams, uh, Maryland and Ohio State still sneaking in there. CMU seated above them, not in the top 25, but uh, th- these are teams that I think are going to be looking to make a splash this weekend. And, uh, you know, the fall is behind us. It doesn't matter what you did at CCC. So we're going to see whether those teams can uh, stack up against the sort of the more heavy hitters in the, the one seeds in the pools. Um, what I think is particularly interesting this weekend is, you know, we're going to get another look at NC State. And I hope, I'm a little worried because the format, if it matches, the, so the men's format for the championship bracket is not currently listed. I got an email out to the TD, but I haven't heard back. I'm going to assume that the brackets are the same, so they get that 1-3 and 2-4 matchup in semis, which I think would be too bad because it means that NC State's going to have to play UNC again. They just played at Carolina kickoff. I would really like to see them go up against a team like UMass and give us that kind of tester game right early in the season um, rather than NC State, you know, having to go probably lose again to UNC and not get a sense of like how they stack up against other top 15 type teams. So that'll be something interesting to watch. How does UMass look as they try to bring their youth up to speed? How much leeway do they give Tanner Johnson? Do they play him a lot? Do they play him a little? Going to be very compelling to see what that team looks like um, as they start to build up in this season where, you know, Tanner's final year, most likely. I'm, I'm interested in these kind of question mark teams, the, some of whom we've, we've seen a little bit of, but we just don't really know what to make. And of those teams, Wilmington, Auburn, and Ohio State are teams that I think we have maybe the most questions about. I mean, we know what North Carolina is about. Mass, UMass, we have some questions about. That's fair. NC State, great start to the year. I I think that they look like a really strong team, but you know, is Ohio, how legit is Ohio State? Right? Is is Auburn losing LSU reflective of a team that might not be as strong this year? Uh, I, I'm very curious to see where these teams, it, Auburn and UNC Wilmington, and their bounce back efforts, Ohio State in starting the season. And, you know, they're going to get tested against UNC. If they can stay competitive and if they can blow out some of the other teams in this pool, I think it's going to show us a lot about who Ohio State is. But we, we've we seen that particularly, you know, early season, it's cold, you know, it's your first round, second round. We've seen a lot of upsets in the past at this tournament. Oh, definitely. I, I think it, it, you've come to expect some surprises at Queen City. 
And, you know, like, like Maryland to me, like, what is that team going to look like? There's, there's like all this hype, but I feel like what I saw in the fall didn't inspire me a lot. I know they were missing a bunch of players. This is the year that I know Maryland was thinking that they were aiming to go to nationals. And then they kind of snuck in last year in the crazy run they made through the fourth place bracket to get to nationals. So are we going to expect to see them take a step forward or is there a little too much hype right now? I honestly don't have a good answer to that. That's why we want to see these teams early in the season at these tournaments. Um, and isn't it just great? That the great thing about the college season is that, you know, you have such different looking teams every year that even a team that looked really promising a year ago can go in either direction. We've seen it happen. I mean, think about Wilmington. Like That's a team that was in the final just a couple years ago and then missed Nationals last year and isn't really on a great path to start this season. So, you know, where, where what direction are they going to go in this year? Are they going to build up and, and look like the kind of the team that we've expected to see over the last decade more that is always right there, that is always at Nationals? Or are they starting to fade out as a program? I mean, I, I, you have to worry a little bit about that considering the way that they've played over the last you know year. So another chance for them this weekend. Uh, I think you know there's there's also some teams a little further down like Tulane and uh, I'm, I'm kind of interested to see Chicago play at the 12 seed. They get to play against Wilmington and Auburn and pool play. What do they look like? Notre Dame also had a pretty good start to their year at uh, I believe they were They're at a kickoff. T-Town. They're a kickoff. Yeah, kickoff. They, they beat right. Emory. They went four yeah. and two, beat Emory, beat Georgia Tech, lost pretty soundly to Wilmington and Florida State. Um, but, you know, kind of had a little bit of an up and down weekend, but they're the 14 seed. And they're in a pool with Alabama, UNC Charlotte, Carnegie Mellon, and NC State. I mean, they've got to be thinking about, we're trying to make the bracket. You got to finish top two. So that would mean they probably need to beat CMU. Uh, and that's the kind of game that you want to see early in the season. Like, how do you stack up? So I'm looking forward to uh, seeing the results. I'm, I'm, I'm bummed I won't be there this year. Hopefully they, this tournament doesn't conflict with warm-up again in the future. Yeah, and you got, I mean, even Alabama in that pool. I mean, I, they lost to Auburn and LSU by one uh, at T-Town. Uh, and would it shock you if, like, Virginia beats Auburn? You know, like in in the first two rounds, like that's the kind of upset no. I think that we are so accustomed <laughs> to here. Are you are you ready? Are you ready to go to your picks? I'm ready. I'm ready. You want uh, me to kick it off so this time? Or? Yeah, go All for right. it. Um, so uh, I think it's not going to be a surprise that I'm going to pick UNC to advance to the final. That's that's not a surprise. But let me give you a little spice here. I've got Maryland. In the final against them, wow! Yeah, I like I like Maryland. Uh, you know, is there is there a stock rising faster than Daryl Stanley's? I don't think so. I mean, if you were in on on Daryl Stanley early, you are are really profiting right now. And I, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and get in before we hit the peak. I'm I'm going with Maryland to advance to the final. I think that. We've seen UMass start slow and have identity issues. I think that's going to open up an opportunity for Maryland. And I think we've seen if if we get that 2-4, you know, both Wilmington and Auburn have looked a little shaky to start the year. So I think that opens up a lot of opportunity for Maryland. 
Uh, and I'm going to take UNC to win the final. <laughs> sure. So what I want to put, I want to say this. I think UNC, I think NC State is the second best team at this tournament. I agree. But if we are correct, they're going to play UNC in semis. So that's tough. Uh, <laughs> and so I just think they're not going to make the final because of that, even though I think they're the second best team. Uh, so then you're really kind of, for me, I'm looking at UMass, Maryland, Wilmington, Auburn, possibly a team like Ohio State or Carnegie Mellon. And I just kind of look at that that mix of teams and I feel like I just want to pick the team that I think has the highest ceiling of those teams. And that for me is Auburn. I know they came off of a disappointing start at, you know, with a loss to LSU. I think they're going to bounce back from that. I really believe that the team has going to have a good year. And while I think they have absolutely no chance of beating UNC in the final, who I'm picking to win, I think that they're going to upset, uh, quote unquote, upset uh, UNC Wilmington in, in pool play and then uh, defeat the two seed, whether that's uh, UMass or Maryland in semis. So I've got UNC and Auburn in the final with UNC taking it. Are you, are you feeling or confident? So you're feeling confident about your undefeated UNC season. Oh yeah, I'm I'm all in on that. I'm all in on that. I mean, there's no question about that. Uh, from Bama Sex, they've got UNC taking it over NC State. So again, I you know I feel bad if the if the format doesn't work out in that way for uh, Bama Sex. But if it does, and it's the two three game and the one four, and they like do it it's kind of how you would expect, then that's going to be great picks. I think. Or maybe maybe NC State will drop a pool play game. Still, still could work out. Jasper right. Tom, man. Oh, real good. Fifth year Carnegie Mellon. Keep an eye out for him. Let me go to warm up. An insane tournament this year. Thirty three teams. Now, just quick hype. We're gonna have a bunch of film from both of these tournaments. We've got two cameras down at Queen City, filming a men's and a women's game every single round, and then I'll be at warm up filming we're going to film 10 match play games before the bracket with 20 different teams so no repeats at all during match play thank you to dario chronos the td who made it possible to just straight up pick matchups rather than have to pick out of a schedule this year uh so awesome we have an awesome lineup of of teams check out the filming schedule in the florida warm-up preview uh I would love to get some of every team, but it's literally not possible. There's just way too many teams this year. Perhaps we will have two cameras at warm-up in the future. Uh, new field site this year. So interested to see what that looks like. And uh, beautiful weather on tap. It's going to be around 80 degrees, sunny, like record-breaking highs, apparently, for Tampa area at this time of year. And so uh, should be pretty awesome ultimate conditions if honestly a little bit hot, I saw some jokes from Wisconsin on Twitter that it's literally going to be 100 degrees warmer in Tampa than it's been in Wisconsin the last couple that of weeks. That is wild. <laughs> so uh, thaw out a little bit. Um, look, this, this tournament is so stacked. I mean, uh, to just quickly go through the format, rather than have a traditional pool play, they always have match play style They used to have sort of pseudo pool play along with some additional matchups from outside of your pool. 
And then you got into the bracket based on your record and then a ton of various tiebreakers. Um, what that meant was that some teams with softer schedules often got into the bracket because they, you know, got they beat up on a bunch of bad teams, went five and one, and made the bracket. Uh, that's less likely to happen this year because there's no pools, there's just match play, and then they're going to run the USAU algorithm on all of the results at the end of match play, and the top, you know, X teams get in. So it's it's eight. It's going to be um, pools of eight. There's 33 teams, but BYU's there, so they'll have a nice even 32 to make four brackets. Uh, so the championship bracket will be your top eight teams based on the algorithm, and should be fun. I mean, we still might get some surprises. It's definitely going to be important to win your games by as large a margin as you can. So uh, more incentive than ever to win by a lot. And uh, I mean, there's just tons of awesome matchups. I think I'm really curious to see how BYU stacks up after their great start undefeated out at Santa Barbara. They will provide some excellent connectivity just like their women's team will over at Queen City. I also am pretty curious to see, you know, what do all these top teams look like? We've got a bunch of top tier teams. Uh, You look at your, you know, Brown, Carlton, Georgia, Minnesota, Northwestern, Pitt, Wisconsin, and and BYU. That's kind of like your your top tier teams. Uh, You know, is Texas going to sneak into that top top group? Wouldn't be surprised. Uh, and then you have all those teams that are kind of on the, you know, contender bubble. What is LSU going to look like this weekend after their good start? I know Emory's going to be missing some players, so they may not look that sharp this weekend, but they're at the back end of the top 25 right now. Uh, Virginia Tech, Texas A&M, UT Dallas will be here after playing at Santa Barbara. There's a lot of teams ranging from top tier semifinals contenders all the way down to, uh, you know, Nationals, uh, locks, Nationals hopefuls, and then teams that are just trying to get some experience playing against those top competitors uh, down in sunny Florida. It's, it is an incredible field, and I, I love the tournament structure. I love being able to know who we're going to get beforehand. Uh, it is hard to follow <laughs> a little bit, but maybe that will lend itself to some drama when we're all sitting around waiting for the algorithm to get run. Uh, to find out who is going to advance in the bracket. Uh, but there's plenty of juicy matchups to chew on, and BYU gets really a full slate. <laughs> They've got some really strong teams. I think they get Wisconsin, Carlton, and Pitt, and Texas all in their, all in their group, which is fair because they, you know, they're looking to get in all the good games that they can. But they looked really strong at Santa Barbara Invite, so I think that they're going to be a tough test for everybody. Yeah, and, and the schedule uh, is is pretty sweet. I mean, it, it's it's probably easier to look at it in terms of what it, uh, you know, each individual team's matchups, because if you just try to look at the overall schedule, it's just kind of overwhelming. Um, but yeah, you mentioned BYU. Let me, let me pull up these matchups right here. So BYU gets Carlton, LSU, Northwestern, Pitt, Texas, and Wisconsin. Uh, along with two lighter games against Cincinnati and South Florida. But, I mean, that's some serious firepower. They're playing, like, most of the really top teams, except Brown. Um, I, I'm really curious to see what, like, Northeastern is a team that's been kind of building 
up there in New England, they're going to get some games. First of all, they get to play Northwestern, which I love. Incredible. I, I feel like I want to stop by that game and just check in on like whether they're going to put some you know West versus East hype on they, the game. There's got to be some side. They, yeah, they need on. to be building up some Twitter hype now. Like they need to be brainstorming. Like, what are we going to do? But Northeastern's going to get some tester games. LSU, Northwestern, uh, Texas, Dallas. Uh, you know, these are these are teams that are proven into the top twenty-five right now, and Northeastern's not there. But maybe we'll see them sneak in. I'm pretty curious to see what Cornell looks like. Rutgers is also at this tournament, so you've got a couple Metro East teams. Are they going to be able to compete? Are they going to go over? You know, uh, don't know yet. But with with the way UConn's looked in the Metro East, there's a chance that this is a year for another team to get to nationals. Uh, You know, you've got the Southeast teams that we don't know that much about yet, like Florida, uh, even FSU. I'm, you know, Kennesaw State's kind of been bubbling there at the fringes of the, you know, top 50 right now. So there's just, there's so many stories that you could pick and choose. I guess, Keith, I'd ask you, what are some of the key things that you're going to be watching for this weekend? Uh, you know, individual teams or uh, storylines. I got one for you right off the bat. Rematch between Carlton and Pitt in a showcase game on Friday night, 5 o'clock. Oh, I, I, Obviously, we're filming. Yeah, it's going to be Circle awesome. that. I mean, how, how are you not going to get excited about that matchup? Uh, I, it jumps off the page. Uh I I think that that's that kind of leads me into the main storyline that I that I think it, it's very similar to what we talked about at Queen City Tuna. Like these teams that feel like they are semifinals contenders, title contenders, your Pitts, your Carltons, your Browns, you know, how do they stack up once they really get into the games, you know? And then uh, you know, the Carlton Pitt game is going to be big and I don't think Brown gets to play against either of them. Uh, Brown has a schedule with Minnesota, Georgia, Northwestern, UT Dallas, Cornell, and Emory. Uh, so I think it's it's unfortunate that Brown's going to be a little dis- disconnected from you know Carlton, Pittsburgh, Wisconsin. But uh, maybe they will get to see each other in the bracket. I also think that you know these other North Central teams. You look at Wisconsin and Minnesota, and we've seen that these programs have plenty of longevity. We can expect them to be competitive, but we've seen mixed bags from them at warmup. You know, one year Minnesota is just torching the field and then the next you see some weird results from them. So what are they going to look like this year with their changes over in roster? What are they, what are they going to do without why Meckler, AKA, uh, but you know, Cole Wallen looks like he's ready to carry on a bigger load. Uh, Wisconsin, same, same kind of story. You know, we, they're thawing out, like you mentioned, uh, but we know that the talent is there on this team. I think the question is what their throwers are going to be able to do as they replace some of their big throwers from last year. But those teams could end up winning this tournament. Like if I told you Wisconsin or Minnesota won this tournament, I don't think you'd be shocked. But we also could see them miss the bracket because we just don't know what they're going to bring to the table. For reference schedules, uh, Minnesota gets Brown, Texas, and Georgia highlighting their schedule. Uh, while Wisconsin, let's see who they have. They got BYU, Pitt, LSU, and of course the classic Florida matchup. Oh, great! A great matchup. Uh, the Florida just 
This is this for some reason they just seem to play their best at warm up. I feel like the college players these days maybe don't appreciate Wisconsin versus Florida and like the history of that matchup. They play every single year at warm up and of course, you know, it was legendary battles in the 2000s. I I'm I I think that's yeah, one of the best matchups on the table. Just the history is great, but also they tend to give each other really good games. I mean, that's just the way it goes. Yeah, Florida always plays well at this tournament. Uh, and Wisconsin usually doesn't play as well at this tournament as they look later in the year. I kind of have a sneaky sense they're going to play better this year. I have no idea what their injury status is. Um, you know, there, there, there's definitely players missing this weekend. Carlton's going to be without Joe White and Luke Webb, who both just made the U24 team, along with some other younger players. Um, I Last look, Virginia Tech's playing without Joe Freund. He wasn't on the roster. Uh, you know, Emery's missing a ton of players. It's just, that's how it goes. You know, there's players abroad, people are hurt, people have school that they need to focus on, they can't take the day off. Um, so, you know, you're not going to have a pure snapshot of what teams are going to look like in April and May. But I always feel like this is the tournament that I learn the most about teams. And I doubt that will change this year. There's also always going to be at least one team that surprises you. And that's what I love about warm-up. The, 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 the match play format also allows for, since it's a three-day tournament, you know, you have a couple games each day, the format allows for you to get so many different style stylistic games. I mean, that's one of the coolest things about warm-up. There may not be a more diverse tournament in the country. You get teams from everywhere, and so you have Southeast teams playing against New England teams. Great Lakes teams playing against Northwest teams. That that makes for a lot of fun because a lot of tournaments, especially early tournaments, tend to be pretty concentrated by local teams. You're playing teams you know, you're playing styles you're used to, and it's kind of like a regionals preview. This isn't that. Teams generally aren't playing other teams from their region. So, you know, you look at Carleton. They're playing BYU from the Northwest. Central Florida and Emory from the Southeast, Pitt from the Ohio Valley, Harvard from New England, and Kansas from South Central. I mean, that's awesome. So getting those different style matchups makes for some really cool games, makes for some fun matchups. And again, you know, because generally teams are power matched, better teams have tougher schedules. You're also going to get to see some of those middle tier or lower tier teams get schedules that they can handle and win all their games. And hey, you know what? If you win all your games, you're probably going to make the top bracket. Can, can I also highlight, we talked about Pitt Carlton. Pitt's first game is against Northwestern. Like That's going to be a tough one out of the gates. And Northwestern's probably going to be out with something to prove in that Pitt game. Uh, we're going to see how Pitt gets to deal with Kyle Rutledge, but... Uh, we saw that that Northwestern team last year at Nationals, they were solid. I mean, this is not a one-man show, and this is not a, a fluky-looking team. So uh, no. that's going to be a tough test for, for Pitt out of the gates. I mean, they, Jeff Holm is still on that team. He was their number one assist guy last year, mostly as like a continuation thrower. So they have, you know, a, a great cutter in Jeff Holm. And you have Kyle Rulledge, who can kind of do everything and is probably the best player on the team. They do lose a couple of goal-scoring players from last year, but they already have players who can step into that role. 
I have high expectations for this Northwestern team, and I wouldn't be surprised to see them have a really good weekend. Uh, they they like this tournament. <laughs> Don't forget that this is the tournament that set them up to earn a bid just a few years ago. Remember, they went like 5-1 and one in pool play, made the bracket, and ended. they put them into the top 16 or the top 20 in the rankings, and then they never played another tournament. They played that one-day single-game sanctioned game against U Chicago and never played another tournament because something got canceled. I think Huck fan or something got canceled. So they earned a bid, but then guess what? It got stolen from them by that Eastern Michigan team. So Northwestern wants to go out, earn a bid and take the bid this year. And I think that they're going to have uh, a solid weekend, even though they have a tough schedule. They're, they're a great sleeper team. I kind of have my eye on Texas A&M to get off to be one of those teams that, you know, has the great start and maybe plays above their head. Uh, Connor Ugetta is back for them. And I think having a very central player with a clear game plan is pretty advantageous this early in the year. Not not super unlike the fall. Uh, but it's so hard to talk about all of these teams. There's just so many teams. I mean, Texas, Georgia, these are teams that, you know, could easily run deep into the bracket, but we, we could barely have space to talk about all of them. Oh, we definitely don't. Uh, but I do want to get to our picks, so I will take it away. Uh, here's what I got. Uh, look, there's so many different teams that could make the final. How do you know where it's going to all end up? Of course, we have no way of really projecting what the bracket's going to look like because it's going to depend on point diff in games. Uh, but look, I've got Carlton to win. Even though they're missing a couple players this weekend, I think they're going to repeat as champions here. I just think they're the best team. I mean, they have... They have they, even without some of these players, they have a great O line. Like Stan Birdsong and Dylan Lanier are going to just tear people apart, and I doubt we're going to see a bunch of tricky defenses that might try to you know junk it up and and slow them down. I, I think they're going to really be pretty impressive. Um, so I got them winning, and I, I I thought for a long time about who I thought was going to make this final. I ended up on Northwestern, which maybe is crazy, but. You know, Wisconsin never plays that great at this tournament. I, I think Brown's got another chance to do it, but I just think Northwestern is kind of sneaky, like the best other team here, maybe. I, I could be totally wrong, but don't forget that Northwestern, despite not making much of a splash last regular season, went to nationals and played extremely well. And when you pretty much bring back your top players after a year in which you play extremely well, you have to have pretty high expectations about what they're going to look like. So that combined with the fact that they have good depth, I think lends me to believe that they are going to make a run and get to that final. Ooh, this you're right that this one is a tough one, and that's a bit of a spicy pick. It, you know who I wish I could pick, Charlie, is BYU. I, I, I like yes. If I could, I would. I think I, I think that I would pick them to make this final. I think they're that good. Uh, the other team that that I'm really close to picking is Texas. I really like Texas to do well. I at this too. tournament. Um, but uh, I ultimately, I went in an unusual direction, not because of the two teams that I picked, but because of how I picked it. I have cut winning. Uh, I think that they're just the most talented team. And despite their best efforts to play middling ultimate in their early season, they're just simply too good of a team. They just have too few weaknesses to play really poorly. Um, so I have them, and I have them over Pitt in the final 
I think they're, these two teams are going to rematch. So I think that, that Pitt is going to be kind of similar to Carlton in the fact that I think it's going to be hard for them to really play poorly. I think they're, they're just so deep. Uh, and they have the top-end talent to just overwhelm some teams and get out of some scrapes. So I, I have Pitt making the final and falling to cut. Bama Sex takes Carlton as well. So sw- Carlton sweep called for by your by the picks here. Uh, over Georgia. And a little bit of a uh, note from Bama Sex. It's going to be windy on Saturday, plus some wind and rain chances on Sunday. He's going to let Georgia ride that junk zone. Hey, we've seen Georgia play very well at Queen City around the same time of year. And so who's to say that they won't make a run? They're a very deep team. I think uh, I'm not really sold on them being ready to play against some of the other teams uh, in in the top 10 at this tournament, but wouldn't be shocked if we saw Georgia make the final. Disappointed that Bama Sex not picking a team from the former Bama section. (laughs) It's like they've matured. Um, Finally, we have our bonus question this week. And so you'll remember the last time it was which team will break seed by the most. This week, we keep it simple. Pick your winner in the Pitt versus Carlton game on Friday night, 5 o'clock. No points, just pick. Bama Sex, cut over Pitt. I have cut over Pitt. Keith? I have Pitt over cut. I have them splitting splitting the, the matchups. Spicy. That's where I get spicy. Look, I just think Carlton's the revenge factor is going to be epic. Like the motivation to win that game is going to be incredibly high. How how hard are they going to foul Noah Robinson <laughs> when he tries to go off for a sky? Just Tim uh, Shock just just like crushes him in midair. No, I, I don't. I don't think Carlton would do that. But uh, I hope Noah Robinson can play. This <laughs> hope is, he's this healthy. Is, honestly, if this game is is real, you know, tense, close, exciting. We could be seeing a a little new rivalry developing. I know we've talked for a long time about Pitt Wilmington, but I think maybe the ship has sailed on Pitt Wilmington. That's just a mismatch right now. But Pitt cut after last year's Nationals game. We could be seeing the seeds of a of a of a new rivalry game. Uh, so we'll see how that one goes on uh, on Friday night. Hopefully, we don't get something like last year when one of the showcase games we filmed was. Central Florida versus Carlton, which did have some history from a couple years ago at Nationals. And Carlton annihilated them. I've never seen a worse game from <laughs> a like a college team that I thought was going to be competitive. I, I think the final score was like 13-2. Yeah, it was something like that. Um I I will I will note, you know, we talk a lot about the Carlton UNC rivalry not to be the the number one, the number two. And Pitt not only disrupted that at Nationals, they remember that game against UNC at Easterns? I mean, can you have a triumvirate rivalry? Can you have like a three-way team triangle rivalry sure, kind of thing? Uh, I mean, maybe we'll because maybe we'll build it with Pitt, UNC, and Cut. We shall see. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, a little small ball segment for you. Stick around. You're listening to Deep Look. Welcome back to Deep Look. Quick small ball segment. First up, the Premier Ultimate League just added an eighth team. 
for the upcoming season. They have added the Columbus Pride. So we've got an Ohio team coming into the league. There was not really any buzz about this uh, a few weeks ago, but I started to hear some rumors, and here we are. Uh, you can find them over on Twitter. Yeah, I think this kind of came off of the radar, and it's it's interesting city, I think, for for Columbus because you know they they couldn't really support an early AUDL team, but they're also not a team with uh, a place with a notable like. They have a women's elite team, but it's kind of a combo team with Michigan. But they obviously have had a lot of women's talent. That talent has just been kind of spread out uh, across the mixed division and women's division. So I think it'll be interesting to see how it coalesces for this team and how competitive they can be. Again, you know, we, we talked a little about this before, but just the the geographic spread of these teams. Um, I guess it's good. You know, Columbus, fairly close to Indianapolis, um, but... And, you know, I imagine those teams will play home and away against each other. And so, you know, some more teams in the Midwest probably helps things a little bit uh, in terms of just getting games without having to fly or drive really, really far. Yeah, a team could a team could swing by and potentially play both of them, uh, which I think will will help a lot. Next up, uh, did you see the USA Ultimate quote unquote Super Bowl ad, Keith? So they, they like released it during the Super Bowl on Twitter. Obviously, they did not show it during the Super Bowl because Super Bowl commercials this year were $5 million for 30 seconds. There's no way that USA Ultimate's going to spend double their annual budget on one 30-second Super Bowl ad. But they did release an ad. Uh, did you get a chance to take a look at it? I did. I did catch this ad during, during like right after the Super Bowl. Ultimate was a social network. Before social networks even existed. Respetamos nuestras diferencias. And understand the value that they add. The revolution of the disc in flight continues to prove that there's nothing we can't achieve when we pull together. Long live ultimate. Larga vida ultimate. Long live ultimate. If you haven't seen it, you can check it out. It's on, on their social media. Black background, lots of different players kind of speaking directly into the camera with like very uh, sort of silhouetted and it's very there's no frisbees in the commercial there's no gameplay it's just notable ultimate players and children to the camera and some children just children a lot of diversity talk about spirit of the game look this is definitely a commercial and that the the quote you know the hashtag is pulled together it's definitely a commercial for Ultimate players who are in the know about Ultimate. If you didn't know this was an Ultimate Frisbee commercial, you would have no idea. Thoughts, Keith? I, I think it's an interesting idea. I, uh, I think kind of glomming onto the Super Bowl via social media is pretty smart. Uh, I really, really love the concept of pull together. I think it's by far the best of the you know, hashtags that we've gotten so far, live ultimate or grid and grace. Like I, I think pull together is fantastic. Um, uh, but I, I think that, you know, they're experimenting with different ways to market the sport and what actually helps drive traffic for them and, uh, you know, eventually drive memberships and participation. But I, I think that, you know, you're right that the ad was seemed kind of internally focused. It's a very different direction from, you know, the action-packed ads that they've tried in other formats. So I think they're trying to reach people in different ways, you know, showing off the diversity and the culture of the sport in some ways, uh, although you know, not really anything for cultural besides just the words. But 
you know, it's, 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 I'm glad to see them experimenting with this stuff. I think it's good for them to try different things to figure out what works, even if sometimes they miss. Like, that's part of experimenting. I would love to see them hand over the vast amounts of really awesome game footage that they have and have a commercial get made with game footage. We've seen photographs. We've seen kind of fake game footage with you know, players laying out in some random field, but not actually playing a game. Why not use the action of the sport to promote the sport? I think it's one thing when you're the NFL and you can get away with just having a commercial with, you know, Roger Goodell at a podium and a bunch of players playing keep away because everybody knows who all of those players are and everybody knows football. and There's 150 million people watching the game. But when you're Ultimate Frisbee, like I just don't understand. Like, what's the purpose of promoting Ultimate Frisbee to people who are already deep Ultimate Frisbee fanatics? Because that com- that commercial is only for people who are deep Ultimate Frisbee fanatics. Like, it, it, if it makes you feel, I mean, it, it's not like it's bad. It's fine. It's good. It, it's it it'll like give you chills. But you're not like those people already have USA Ultimate memberships. So what 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 are we? I don't, I just don't. I feel like I'm I'm missing the narrative of what they're trying to do, and I would love to see them make a commercial that like highlights the sports awesome characteristics, and not you know is is not just like here's a bunch of people that we expect you to know who they are, and it has no connection to ultimate besides you know making you feel good about the inclusivity of ultimate frisbee. I mean, again, it's it's not that that's wrong or bad. It's just it doesn't seem to have a purpose besides getting people who play ultimate frisbee to feel good about playing ultimate frisbee. I, I, I agree with that. And like, I, I hope that they try some of the highlighted ads. I think it's a little bit harder because, you know, I don't know what their ability is to use the ESPN footage in advertising, but also without the ESPN footage, I think they lose a lot of the, uh, high quality up close shots that like help you tell emotional stories in sports. And it would kind of just be like action packed. You know, we, we so well, I want them to try both. some of that stuff, but I, 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 I just think, I think it's fine for them to try different things. I, there's also a lot of value, I think to, especially to USA ultimate in helping define what the brand is to the members, because I think Th- that, that was something fair. that they ran into as a problem, which was, what do people think of when they think of USA Ultimate? And I think for them, some of that internal over advertising is necessary in order to help establish your brand identity. Uh, but we'll 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 keep it. I think the the fact that we're seeing them put together professionally produced commercials is a positive sign, and we're going to see them continue to try and figure out what the right way to utilize that tool is. Last note here: got a great tweet. Loser of the Deep Look Pod versus Sin the Fields Pick'em Contest has to film a dramatic reenactment of the hit, the Tom Crawford story. So just a little background if you don't know what that's talking about. Tom Crawford has famously discussed many times, both on his bio on USA Ultimate and in person and now on the Being Ulti Twitter account, the story of almost getting killed by the mafia when he was growing up in Rhode Island. So he had like a 10 or 12 tweet storm about this. And uh, somebody pitched that we do our pick'em contest having to film a dramatic reenactment of how it all went down. 
I think I'm sold. <laughs> it seems like so much work. But it would like, be so much work, but the product could be so good. Oh, it, man. It, I, I say we film it on phones, so it looks kind of like some junior high kids did it in like a weekend. Yeah, I'm totally in. All right. Well, we'll, we'll check in with Sin the Field and see what they think. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thanks for tuning in. For Keith Rayner, I'm Charlie Eisenhood saying so long. We'll talk to you next week right here on Deep Look. Thank you.